Hi, you're listening to the Ronnie Fed Podcast with me, Ronnie Chang. This is the episode for 25th January 2014. Thanks for tuning in. Today we'll be talking to my sister, Dr. Chang, again for our Ask the Expert segment. We'll be asking her to provide some insights into some common medical and health myths and uh, to see what she thinks about them. Just to be clear, nothing in this podcast is to be taken as an alternative to seeking professional medical treatment. We are merely discussing medical myths and common misconceptions. If you are experiencing any ill health, please seek medical attention. Thank you for not being stupid. Okay, I'd like to welcome back to the podcast my sister, Dr. Chang. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, the whole point of this is uh, I'm trying to combat ignorance by talking to experts who know what they're talking about. Yeah, make stupidity history. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great motto. So I'm going to start asking you some health questions, which I have always wondered and, and um, people have actually um, sent in. And if you can just do your best to answer them. That would be great. Okay. Uh, question number one comes from uh, Mr. David Chow over Twitter. Uh, Dave is asking, does MSG actually have any negative side effects or is that just hype, overhyping from the media? I know some people who are allergic to MSG and um, they get very sick after having it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But that's that's a specific allergy. Is it in general bad for your health, MSG, in food? Um, in excess, anything is bad for your health. Like, if you drink too much water, it's bad for your health. Okay. I know there's no... I feel like you're evading this. Is MSG bad? Like, is it, is, wait, is it unhealthy to eat? Because the, the picture in the media, the yeah. media portrays MSG as a, a, a big evil. You know, it causes you okay. to what, drop hair. It makes you... Uh, thirsty. All know. right. Well, in in my mind, you know, there are greater evils that you should stop. Like MSG is nothing compared to smoking. Smoking is bad for you. Okay. Excess alcohol is bad for you. You know what? That's a really that's a really interesting way to look at it. Obesity is very bad for you. Okay. Well, does MSG cause obesity? Uh, no. Okay. So really, it's just another seasoning. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because this is cause this is actually you seem really nonchalant about this, but this is kind of blowing my mind because. MSG has always been painted painted as like one of the biggest evils in food. Like, would you say processed sugar is as bad as MSG? Or um, I've never heard that processed sugar is bad for you. Really? Yeah. Well, I I I I firmly believe that. I shouldn't say I believe. I I read that um, processed sugar is bad because it creates a lot of excess energy in your body, which your body stores as fat, and it's addictive because it fires the same kind of neurons as crack cocaine. I neural don't... pathway, sorry, not neurons. Fires the same neural pathways as crack cocaine. So it's uh, that's why we all crave sugar so much. And it's very hard to get off sugar. If you say, hey, just quit sugar, it's really hard to just stop cold turkey. I Processed sugar versus what, natural sugar? I um, I well, don't... sugar in general is bad, yeah. but processed sugar is supposed to be the worst. I'm, so you, you don't have any stance on processed sugar? No. Wow. Or any sh- regular general sugar okay. either. So MSG is okay? I think MSG. I'll eat stuff with MSG. <laughs> okay. Um, that's interesting. 
And sugar, like you know, it's energy. Um, it it is actually kind of good for you. Yeah, but isn't that is isn't it like one of the causes of heart disease and and obesity? Again, and... it goes back to in excess. Okay, but then what what if sugar makes you crave it so much that you inevitably will eat in excess? Like I don't know anyone who eats just the right amount of sugar. Isn't it better to just go off it completely? I don't know. There's been like proven things that sugar is addictive, as you say. I think it's just habit. Like if you eat ice cream every day, your habits will be that you eat okay. ice cream every day. If you drink coffee every day. Sorry, maybe coffee is a bad example because coffee, yeah, you could get addicted to coffee. You can't get addicted to coffee. Yeah. How come? Because you drink it so much and then you need more of it to get the same effect. All yeah, those... but is there a chemical addiction that's caused by caffeine or is it just a... Yeah, yeah, it is. You, you will have a, a withdrawal symptoms. If, From coffee? If, if, if you suddenly stop drinking coffee and you're oh. used to drinking lots of coffee. What kind of withdrawal symptoms? Oh, you get a headache mostly. Hmm. Okay. So, bottom line, MSG, not as bad as I thought. In moderation. In moderation. Yeah. Okay. If you take too much of it, it'll probably get your electrolytes out of balance. You know, your salt levels will get high. If your we- salt levels get high, then yeah. you'll have hypertension. You know, so okay. by well, itself, MSG should be fine. Will taking too much MSG make you lose your hair? I don't know. <laughs> you don't see any connection between those two, right? I, I don't know. There might be. I, I don't, oh, I'm don't not know? aware of it. Okay. You, but you, I mean, you heard the same crap I hear about MSG as well. Yeah, but we don't get taught that in medical school. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm asking you. But no. so you know what I'm talking about when I say MSG makes your hair, makes your hair drop. And yeah. makes you, so, but there's no, you don't know any kind of correlation between that. If someone comes to me and says their hair is dropping, I'm going to be looking for other causes, <laughs> not... Are you taking too much MSG? <laughs> okay. No, that's a great way to put it. Um, okay, so my second question is, um, I've I've realized I'm a bit of a night owl. Um, inevitably, uh, no matter how how much I reset my body clock, I end up just working at night till like two two a.m. Um, also, my job is that I work at night anyway. But even if I reset my body clock, I inevitably kind of turn towards being being a night owl. 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 So, is there any kind of, um, is there any, is there anything that makes you less energetic by being a night owl versus a normal nine to five body schedule? What makes you less energetic? Well, what, what I'm saying is that is there any reason that a night owl would be less efficient, assuming they sleep the same hours, they're awake for the same hours, as someone who who less, is not so much of a night owl who keeps normal hours. I think as long as it's regular, it's fine. But it has been proven that people who do shift work, so, you know, sometimes yeah. you do nights, sometimes you do yeah. days, yeah. sometimes you do evenings, yeah. um, that's bad for your health oh, really? in general. Like, yeah. what, what will happen? You just get really fatigued and... Yeah, and I think there are, like, diseases that are more common in those people. Really? But... Like, it lowers your immunity. Yeah, yeah. But um, if you're, like, a night shift person for years and yeah. years and years, yeah. then... I guess that should be fine. Okay, so basically there's no benefit towards waking up early and sleeping early versus waking up late and sleeping late. No, I don't think so. So early bird gets the worm. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> from a health point of view, no. But from an opportunistic <laughs> you know, job point of view, that might be different. Okay, cool. Now, well, what, we're not here to talk about anything other than medical. Uh, sleep is important. Like, you know, daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the Monday after, like, there are loads of problems, like suicides and illnesses and accidents and stuff. And they've done, like, yeah, I think research shows that. Um, and that's why a lot of people cost are saying what? we should not use daylight savings time anymore. Wow, caused by what? I think... Um, what, you're waking the, up? The one hour lack of sleep, especially if you do shift work. Really? And the body confusion and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so some countries in... I mean, some states in Australia don't do daylight savings. Okay. Hmm. What do you feel about daylight savings? Um... I don't have any strong feeling about daylight savings. It's what? annoying to change my clocks, but now iPhones do it for you. Yeah. I don't know. I always I always like kind of having an extra hour suddenly. Yeah, but oh. then in six months later, you have less. <laughs> One less hour. Yeah. But I don't know. Just sleep early. I don't know. What, what's... Yeah. Um, I don't know what the big deal is with that one. People, I didn't realize it was causing so much mayhem. It causes a lot of mayhem. We just, like, it, no one talks about it, I guess. Right. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, so my second question is actually related to sleep. Um, is there a way to form a sleep sleeping pattern that allows you to sleep less hours in a day? So, for example, I'm just saying that, I'm just pointing out there, okay, so when I was in university, um, my my friends and I tried to, to get the edge over other students by, by staying awake for more hours, um, uh, and changing our sleeping pattern to I think it was, I think it was called the Edison, the Edison sleep pattern or sleep cycle where you sleep for something like you sleep for uh, you wake you stay awake for three and a half hours and then you sleep for one hour or something like that so you ended up having to sleep five hours a day but at different points in the day but the catch was when you had to sleep like when it was time to sleep you had to sleep even if it was seven thirty at night you have to take that one hour nap so you basically. You're basically just kind of hacking your sleep cycle to get the most restful sleep. Um, when you talk about it, like, at specific times and everything, um, it sounds like it could work in theory, but it is very easy to mess up. And when you mess up, it would go horribly wrong. wrong. Yeah. So in theory, it's actually possible to, to be functional, have, have uh, productive uh, waking hours, for, okay, so it, it, this, it is possible to sleep five hours a day and be productive. Less than five hours. I think it was like four hours a day. I don't really think so. Okay. <laughs> but there are lots of people who do it. Now, now sleep, when, you, when the physiology of sleep is um, you've got this rapid eye movement cycle. Have you heard of that? Yeah. REM sleep. Yeah, so that's, heard of that. Yeah, it, that's really important. And so you need to have enough sleep that you've got REM sleep. Yeah. And if you, if for example, you were saying if you're taking naps in the day and you're waking up before REM sleep and yeah. you're not getting any REM sleep even yeah. though you're sleeping five hours a day, yeah. that's bad. Okay. And everybody has got different amounts of REM yeah. sleep and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Um, and the time it takes for them to fall asleep and stuff. So you don't like this Edison sleep cycle thing? Also? I've never heard of it. Okay. Um, I but don't think I prescribe it. Yeah, but you seem to you seem to indicate that theoretically there was something behind that, where you could stay awake for four hours and then sleep for one hour, four hours, one hour. Um, yeah, theoretically, because if you slept for that one hour, there, there's a period of non-REM sleep you have to go through first, yeah. and then the REM sleep, yeah. then it could work. But actually, physiologically... Not really. Not really. Not really. Because mm. when you sleep at night, um, they they have sleep cycles. They're called sleep cycles. So you have yeah. non-REM sleep, then REM yeah. sleep, then yeah. non-REM sleep, REM sleep, non-REM sleep, REM sleep, yeah. and 
when you sleep through the night, normally people mm. have studied it, the the cycles get shorter and shorter and shorter. Okay. So if you're breaking this up, yeah, a few times a day, I don't think you'll get what you need. You'll get the benefit of that shorter cycles in at the end of a one night. Yeah, sleep. but what's the benefit of having shorter cycles? Isn't the longer cycles where you get your rest? No, it's the REM sleep where you get the rest. So the shorter cycles means you get more REM sleep. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Proportionally. I, I, I thought you meant the shorter cycles were less REM. Mm. Anyway, all that like there's all science conducted in this. But this Edison thing, never heard of it. I would not prescribe it. Okay, I'm pretty sure we found it on Wikipedia anyway. So we wouldn't... I, I, I don't <laughs> think we should follow any, <laughs> any kind of medical advice you read off Wikipedia. Okay, I'm going to turn to Twitter now. I'm going to see if there's any questions for you. Okay, here we go. I, I feel like this has been asked before. Um, Reese has asked, uh, do carrots actually improve your eyesight? <sighs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> carrots have an ingredient in it that is important for eyesight. And if you can get it anywhere else, then no. <laughs> and it's not like if you eat more carrots, your eyesight will get better. It's just you won't have that deficiency and your eyesight won't be bad. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. And if you eat too many carrots, you can turn orange. That's a fact. That's a fact? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Huh. So the answer is it doesn't improve your eyesight. It will possibly keep your eyesight from getting terrible unless yeah. if you're not eating. Yeah. Well, what's, the, what's the thing that it has? I think it's beta carotene. Better carotene, okay, but it will definitely turn you orange if you take if too, you much, take too much. Okay, the second question is uh, from Rob Close: Is do you really smell toast when you're having a stroke? Um, if you're having a stroke, all sorts of funny sensations and stuff, and yeah, it depends on where you have a stroke. So yes, it is possible you could smell toast. Whether it's always toast, no. Okay. Not everyone will smell toast when they're having a stroke. So you could. Like, you could smell anything. You could smell anything. You could feel anything. Wow. Um, so it's one of those, like, wow, anything's out there. So toast is not a diagnostic. No. Tool. If someone told me they smell toast, I'd be like, you know, someone should you. check if the toaster's burning. <laughs> right. So you could smell crap when you're having a stroke. You could smell... You could. I've never heard anyone saying, I, I, I came into hospital because I smell crap. Okay, what's the weirdest... Like stroke, like precursor to stroke. Weirdest, nah. Weirdest. There's so many weird things. So no, I can't say weird. The okay. most common, I can say like a oh, sudden weakness or droopiness of the face. Okay, so smell is not really a, a thing. Um, yeah. only on questioning. Like okay. it, it is a thing. It is a thing. Okay. But um, well, Rob, that's a great question, Rob. Close. Um, Rob kind of has a secondary question that if if you do smell toast why do you, why do people smell toast and you just answer that people yeah, obviously your brain is under love so the brain is sort of like a map you mm. can map out the brain you can mm. say that oh this part of the brain mm. deals with mm. smelling mm. this part of the brain deals with hearing yeah. um, and if you happen to have a stroke right at the part of the brain which usually identifies toast mm. smells mm. then you could possibly smell toast. Okay. Are there any other smell affliction correlations? So I guess what Rob is asking is, is there a way to diagnose a disease? Like, is there some kind of problem that you might be having that's, that, that one of the symptoms would be something very distinctive smell? 
I'm not sure what Rob is smelling though. I don't know why, why it's, it's very curious. Um, well, I do know the only thing I know about smell is um, like apparently, yeah, toast, the toast one, and that cyanide smells like almonds. But I don't know how cyanide anyone, poisoning. Yeah, I don't know how anyone figured that. Uh, I always imagine some guy just tasting almonds before. I think um, there might be some smell associations, but they're just like associations. Like there's, if someone came into ED and said you, you smell something, I would not diagnose much. Okay, so ED is emergency department. Just yeah. for people who don't know your terminology. Um, okay, uh, Alan. Alan. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Thwaites has THW. How do you anyway? Uh, Alan. Asks, why are we directed to turn off our mobile phones when we visit patients in hospital? Doctors don't seem to do this. Um, we Great use question, a Alice. lot of monitoring <laughs> and um, every electrical, everything electrical. So even, you know, your phone charger and your computer, um, it generates sort of like a magnetic field. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and all these and magnetic... Generates a magnetic field, right? The heart, yeah, it's tiny one, yeah. possibly. But um, yeah. so all of these different interferences theoretically can interfere with a monitoring. Mm-hmm. So someone could, you know, have a sudden cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. and we won't know whether it's a cardiac arrest or whether it's just interference from your phone. Yeah, yeah, and you can hear the interference sometimes. You know that bzz, right. Bzz, bzz right. sound. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. Yeah. So you're saying it's not that it will shut down the systems, but that it, we, we can't tell whether it's... What, whether it interferes with monitoring, yeah. yeah. Uh, although I, there was this episode of Mythbusters where basically... Look, I know it's really bad to bring up Mythbusters talking to like an actual doctor about this, but um, I, they were testing the, the mobile phone interfering with pilot controls mm-hmm. theory. And basically what they said was that they found that there's so much me- electrical electromagnetic interference yep. flowing through the environment anyway yep. that turning off your mobile phone is very negligible, even though it will p- provide negligible kind of benefit. Yep. So is this one of those things where it's like it helps a little bit, but it doesn't really matter? Possibly. Okay. All right. Um, that's a have a big concession. So how come doctors don't turn off their phones? Uh, get it. Well, doctors always needed to be contacted. So okay. we get page and we get phone. Okay, that's very convenient. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just going to move on to the dirtier ones, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trace K asks, can you not get pregnant if you go for a run straight after sex? Asking for a friend. What? <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. I, I'm sorry I even asked that. I thought there, was, there might be something to that, but not really, now that I think about it. Like? Look, let's I not get into that okay. one. Okay. <laughs> let's not get into that one. But should I even uh, try to answer that? Like, um, just, like, what does know, pregnancy have to do with running? Like, sex and pregnancy, yes. Running and pregnancy, like, what? Okay, I... I really don't want to don't want to discuss okay. this, but I think she's trying the to only imply she's trying to imply that if you run after sex, everything will the get only way to avoid pregnancy is abstinence. Yeah, that's like the only way, mm-hmm. and even then you hear reports of like that 
You know, yeah. you know what I really like is that you still tried to answer that <laughs> with a straight face, even though it's clearly just a... Oh, make stupidity <laughs> history. <laughs> like, you know, if, if I didn't answer that, I don't want someone running around like, <laughs> thinking that that's like contraception. No, that's, cause... that's true. So running after sex will not prevent pregnancy unless you're running to get the morning after pill. Okay, well, thanks for coming in and answering questions. Um, I found it very insightful. If anyone listening to this found it equally insightful, please tweet or email in or message me somehow just so that we can know. Um, because Dr. Chang, my sister, is actually quite skeptical that anyone is listening to this and that anyone finds it uh, entertaining or um, informative. So please prove her wrong by actually messaging in. I can actually show her the proof um, of people listening and actually having questions to ask. But in any case, thanks for spending uh, uh, your, your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. And let me just get back to like, you know, there are loads and loads of reliable forms of contraception. Don't let running, like running is not one of them. Yes, running okay. after sex is not uh, a way to prevent pregnancy. Um, yeah, that I, I thought that would be obvious, but I guess not. Uh, we needed to bring a doctor in to clarify. That. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Really making me look good here. All right. Uh, all right. So thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you guys next time. See you later. Say bye. Bye. Oh, yeah, and the best way to get in touch with me is through my website, ronniechang.com. That's R-O-N-N-Y-C-H-I-E-N-G.com. Find the email form, send me an email, or you can tweet me at Ronnie Chang. Thanks for listening.